Well, today we are continuing our series. There's an app for that. And uh, so today we're going to be looking in Haggai chapter 1. Now, I know there are a lot of you, and you're just immediately going to turn right to that book. Um, for some of you, you might say, where in the world is Haggai? And uh, hopefully I can tell you a little bit. It's on page 887, my Bible. I got big print because I'm old. But, uh, but you can go to the book of Matthew, the first, first book in the New Testament, turn a little bit left, and hopefully you'll run into it. But uh, anyway, so today we're going to be talking about Google Calendar, the app for that. And I'll, hopefully I'll tie this in with the story. Uh, whenever I was a kid, my dad, who is a pastor, took our family on a Saturday afternoon to see the movie Rocky. And uh, so we were all excited about it, and we watched the movie. I remember sitting there and punching the back of the seat, you know, hoping that uh, Rocky would knock out Apollo Creed. Uh, after, the, after the movie was over, we got in the car, we were driving back home, and we drove by the church where my dad pastored. And so we were driving by the church, and we looked over in the parking lot. It was jammed with cars, and my dad said, oh, my gosh. Now, my mother uh, was nervous. She said, what, what's wrong? And he said, I forgot I had a wedding today. Now, for a preacher, there is not really anything worse that you can do than forget a wedding other than maybe like missing a funeral. Like, so I'm hoping not to do that one. And so anyway, it was a horrible experience. Dad was, you know, was, he was sick, and so he went back up there. And so it's a long story. But anyway, so because of all that stuff, uh, I'm paranoid about missing anything. And so that's one thing I love about the, the phone that I've got. On the phone, I've got this thing called Google Calendar. Any of you all have that? You got it on your phone? I mean, it's a, great, it's a great tool for me because I forget everything. And so I, I go in and I put down all the stuff that's important that I'm supposed to remember. And then, of course, I have to put the alert with it so that whenever I get up, you know, I look at my phone and it sort of dings out the different things that I'm supposed to do during the day. And so now for that to work for me, there's, uh, I've got to make sure that I put stuff on it. And then, of course, I've got to make sure that I actually look at my phone, which is a, still a struggle for me. But it's a, great, it's a great tool. It's something I really like. Now, all of us in here, we all have priorities. Uh, there's stuff that you know that you've got to do every day with your job. Uh, you know that so for some of you, your priorities are with your, you know, with your work, with your family, with your home, with certain activities. All those things are fine. Uh, but the key for us is not just to have priorities. The key is to make sure that we have ordered our priorities in the right way. And that is very critical for us, especially for those of us who are believers. Now you might say, well, how do I, as a believer, how do I make sure that I have my priorities ordered in the, in the right way? Well, here's the neat thing. In the Bible, there's an app for that. And so we're going to look into Scripture, and we're going to see there's a guy named Haggai who was a prophet. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for names for your children or grandchildren, <laughs> you might want to skip that one. But uh, Haggai was a guy who was uh, speaking to the Israelite people, and he was telling them that what, they had priorities, but he was telling them it's important that you order your priorities in the correct way. And so that's what we're going to see today in Haggai chapter 1 in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we get started, I think that anytime you talk about priorities, sometimes we, we get a little bit nervous. I mean, if you, know, if you have somebody come and talk to you like your spouse or maybe a boss or something, and they say, listen, I see your priorities, but you need to reorder them. We kind of get defensive. We don't like that very much. I um, mean, a couple reasons why. One, we don't like people telling us what to do. Uh, the other reason why is we think, well, if I reorder my priorities, then that means that, 
that I'm going to, you know, I might make some people kind of angry or the priorities I have now, but they might not be the best, but I kind of like them because it allows me to do the kind of stuff that I want to do. Well, what I hope that you understand today as we talk about like reordering our priorities is to understand, for, for one, this is not coming from me. Hopefully it's coming from Scripture, so don't get mad at me. Uh, but the other thing is to recognize that that when God calls for us to make our priorities or to reorder them, He's not doing so so that your life will be miserable. Uh, God doesn't want you to reorder your priorities because He doesn't want you to have any fun in life. It's just that God knows the best path for us to travel down. And in our text, the people we're looking at, the Israelites, as, as usual, and why I like them is because they're so much like us, is their priorities were out of whack. And that they needed help. The situation they are in, in the text that we're looking at today, is they are a people who've been in exile. Uh, their priorities were so out of, out of whack that they had put themselves first. They ignored the leadership of God. And because of that, there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar who had come in and he, he destroyed Israel. I mean, he came in, that their beautiful temple that they had, I mean, he absolutely obliterated it. He took the people, brought them into exile into Babylon. Well, years later, so like 70 years later, uh, there was a new king that came into town. His name was Cyrus. He was from Persia, you know, or Iran, and he took over Babylon. Now, here's what's, this is where it's interesting. When he comes in, this guy's not like a follower of God, but he says, God, your God has spoken to me. And he told the Jews, he said, you guys need to pack up and go back home and rebuild the temple because God's telling you to rebuild it. And so it's really just sort of an interesting thing. It's found in Ezra chapter 1 where uh, Cyrus says this. It says this is what the king, the king Cyrus of Persia says. He says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kings of, uh, kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever is among his people, may his God be with him. May he go to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor... Wherever he lives, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with the free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So he tells them to go home. Now, people have been in exile for a long time. They're excited about this. So they pack up. They go back to Israel, and man, they get to work. I mean, they are excited about rebuilding the temple, but then something happens. They begin to face opposition. They had some... You know, they had some, some pretty good excuses, and they quit doing what God wanted them to do. Their priorities got out of whack. And so whenever that happened, they moved outside of the blessings of God in their lives. And so that's why Haggai came. God sent him to tell the people, you need to do some tweaking in your personal lives. Now, when I look in the text, I, this applies to me. It's apply, it applies to all of us as we really need to examine our priorities to see if we need to reorder them. Because if we don't reorder our priorities and we're outside of the leadership of God, it says that we, we move outside of God moving and blessing our lives. And so in our text today, I just see a few questions that we can ask about our priorities that I think are important. And the very first question I want you to think about today is very simple. What are my priorities. What are your priorities? And so just take time to think about that. What are the things that are most important in my life? What are the things that I'm willing to sacrifice for, the things that I'm willing to spend time on more than anything else? Very simply, what are your priorities? Now I want us to look in verse number one. 
It says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel. These are tough names today, y'all. It says, The governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the Lord of hosts says this. He says, These people say, The time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And the word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house, the temple, lies in ruins? Now when the Israelites first went back home, they're, they're gung-ho. They can't wait to get back. They get back. God said, I want you to rebuild the temple. What do they do? Man, they start rebuilding the temple. I mean, they get back. They build an altar. They start sacrificing again to God. They begin to lay the foundation. I mean, they're pumped up. We are glad to be home. We're going to do what God says. And then they quit. And what happened? Well, there's some other people that had moved into this area after the Israelites went into exile. And they did not like them coming back. And so they began to create opposition when they started rebuilding the temple. And they, they threatened the people. It scared the Israelites. Remember, I mean, they're, they've been slaves. And now they come back and they're getting threatened. And so it's not like they're like a warrior class. I mean, they're thinking, man, this is making us nervous. Um, on top of that, it was economically, it was kind of tough. I mean, again, they, they didn't have anything. They come back home and then they have to start from scratch. I mean, everything's been obliterated. And so they, they just quit building. As a matter of fact, when, in our text, God said, I want you to build the temple. Sixteen years have passed when we are at this point in our text. Now, from a human perspective, I understand some of the delay. I mean, people are mad at me and they're talking about killing me. That's going to kind of get my attention. I'm not necessarily going to want to follow through with what God has said. Um, I can come up with excuses as to why I can't do what God says. But then Haggai the prophet comes along and he says, Hey, the real problem in your life is not, it's not that you're facing opposition. He said the real problem is not that it's the economy. He said the real problem is very simple. He said the problem is your priorities are misplaced. He said, how do you know that? How can we judge these people like this? Well, if you look in verse 4, this is what God says to the people. He said, Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while that this house, the temple, lies in ruins? That's, it's an interesting verse. The people come on, they say, we can't, we can't rebuild. There's opposition. We can't rebuild. There's economic strife and trouble. But what were the people doing? They, were, they made themselves number one. He says, You've rebuilt your own house. And God says, how come you've rebuilt your own house and yet you haven't touched mine yet? God's getting, I mean, he's frustrated with the people. I mean, the people were willing. I mean, they get back and they go to Lowe's. You know, and they start, they start fixing their own houses up. And what they were doing is they were willing to invest in themselves, but they were not willing to invest in the things of God. And I start thinking about that, and I get convicted. Because there's a lot of times in my own life whenever I, I make excuses as to why I don't need to do exactly what God has called me to do. I can come up with a lot of different ways to delay in what God's calling me to do. You know, when God calls me to be obedient now, I say, well, I will be obedient, just not right now. I'll do it a little bit later. And some examples for me is, I mean, I, I think there's so many times when I say, you know, Lord, I want to be closer to you, and I want to, I want to study your word, and I want to pray more. But man, this TV show's on right now. And so I'll do it after that show. 
Or, you know, God, I want my children to love you and to know you and to grow in you. But, God, they really need to work on their game right now. And I don't, I don't think there's people who, uh, in general, I don't think most people just adamantly refuse God you know, face-to-face. I think most people have good intentions with God. We have really good intentions with God. Uh, but people in our text, it, it, God said, I want you to build the temple. It's not like these people said, oh, we're not doing it, God. They just said, we're just not going to do it now. You know, we're going to do it later. But the thing is, God wanted them to do it now. Now, why? I'm, I, I don't really know why he wanted them to do it now, but here's what I do know. When something is tough and something is difficult to do, that we've been called by God to do, and yet we say, you know what, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. God is, God, it's interesting how God's faithful. God doesn't call us to do stuff and then just say, I, I hope they do this because I've set up a trap for them. That's not what God does. God, God sets things before us to put him first, and I really believe that sometimes it's difficult to do, but he wants us to see that he is faithful. Now let me try to give you a, a, a sappy illustration. And I'm, I'm going to share an illustration with my wife, Emily. I know Emily's excited about this. It's not bad, Emily, I promise. Uh, now here's the deal. I, I know that my wife loves me. I know this. Now, I learned this when we were going out in college. Now when we were going out in college, um, one thing, Emily could tell you this, I was not real good at, at committing uh, and it's not that because I, you know, it's not because I was, you know, like Mr. Romeo or anything like that. Just like being um, com- committed make, has always made me nervous. And it just makes me, because you kind of feel, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm trapped. And so I, Emily had every reason in the world to tell me to hit the road. She had every reason in the world to say, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm done with you. But you know what she did instead? She loved me. I mean, she loved me. She loved me even when I was a jerk. Now, now, there's some reasons why she could love me. You know, I mean, I, it, it, you know, I, uh, you know, and it's not because I th- think I'm good looking or anything like that. Probably could, I told the first service, it's because I wore acts. But, you know, part of the reason why, why Emily loved me, she, she just simply chose to, right? And that was it. And you know what? As she loved me even when I was a jerk, you know what that did for me? I, I began to recognize that I loved her. And I started thinking about God. And guys, it is, there is something powerful in knowing that God, God loves you, even when you're a jerk. You know, God, God cares for you, and He reaches out to you. And when you begin to understand that, boy, it, it can move you to say, you know, I want to put God first because of the way that He loves me. You know, God, God is seeking for us not just simply to live life, but He wants us to live the victorious life, the life of peace and joy and hope that he's already won for us because he sent his son Jesus for us. Now I want us to think about our, our priorities that we have in life. The first one is, what exactly are your priorities? I think we need to sort of think about that. What, you know, what are my priorities? But here's the second thing that, I, I, that we ought to ask about our priorities, and that is this. Will God judge my priorities? Or how will God judge my priorities? Uh, verse number 5. Now the Lord of hosts says this, Think carefully about your ways. He says, You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to become drunk. 
You put on clothes, but never have enough to keep warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. And the Lord of hosts says this, Think carefully about your ways. In other words, think carefully about your priorities. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build this house. Then I will be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, God said, I ruined it. Why? This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Because my house still lies in ruins. While each of you is busy with his own house. So on your account, the skies have withheld the dew and the land its crops. I've summoned a drought on fields and the hills, on the grain, new wine, olive oil, and whatever the ground yields on the people and animals, and on all that your hands produce. Okay, that's kind of long there, but what's going on here? It's real simple. The people, they change their priorities. They put themselves first and said, we're going to live for us. And I said, okay, you can, you can do what you want to. But if you live for you and you, you make priorities, and you guys said, I, I, you need to understand there are consequences that come with your priorities. Matter of fact, God says that not only are there consequences that come with your priorities, God says, I will judge the priorities that you have. Now, sometimes we kind of get confused about God. And we think that God is trying to force us to do things. And if I follow God, then... Uh, if, I, if, I, if I follow God, then God's going to force me to make all these different kinds of decisions in my life. And we don't like that. But as you read through the Bible, you know, God does not force His way onto anybody. God allows us to make decisions on our own. And this is true. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve. If God was forcing Himself on people, there's no way He would have allowed Adam and Eve to screw up from the very beginning, Right? He said, you can't, he said, not only can you not, you can't do this. He said, I'm not going to let you do it. God let them do what they wanted to do. Now, he gave them freedom, but here's the deal. While they made the choice, and they had freedom to make the choice, they were held accountable for the choice they made. And God judged their choices. The same thing is true for us. We all have freedom. You can have, you can make whatever it is in your life a priority. We all have the freedom to do that, but here's the deal. When you do that, there are consequences that come with it, right? You make a choice, then there's going to be a price to pay for that choice. The Israelites in our text, they made their choice. They made themselves a priority. Well, what happened? Well, if you look in verse number 6 again, it's very simple. God says you've, you've planted, but you harvest little. He said, you eat, but you never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, and you can go on and on there. He says, you get money, and it's like you're putting your money in, in your pocket, and you've got a hole in it. Why is all this stuff happening? Because they had made a decision to put themselves number one, and God judged them for their choices. They had freedom to make that choice, but God said, I will hold you accountable. If we are followers of God, because we, we belong to God, now, God gives us the right to choose how we're going to live, but he says, because you belong to me, I will judge you for the choices you make. And in verses 10 and 11, you look in there, God held back, he held back his blessings on the people. Why? Because of their priorities. When we make decisions, there are always consequences. Isn't that awful? And wouldn't it be nice just to make a decision and there was not consequences? It does not work that way, does it? You make a choice... There's a, there's a price to pay for it. 
Shannon, our small groups pastor, gave a good illustration of this a few weeks ago in one of our lessons. And one of the lessons it had on there is if you're driving down a road and you see a sign that says bridge out ahead, you have a choice, right? What are your choices? Well, quit driving straight ahead or keep going. Now, if you make the choice to keep driving straight ahead, there are consequences that come with that decision, right? Should you be surprised as you're driving along, say, I'm going to ignore that and do what I want to do. Should you be surprised whenever your car goes over the edge? I mean, you shouldn't be sitting there you know, flying over the edge going, what's going on? I mean, you, you made a choice. And because you made the choice, you shouldn't be surprised that you're going to be crushed and you're going to die. There are, there, are, there are consequences that come with your actions. That's what was happening to the people in our text. They made a decision to be disobedient to God. And what happened? God said, you can do that, but there's a consequence that comes with it. You know, one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 11. And it's when Jesus tells his followers, he says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. He says, and I will give you rest. I, I like that verse. Uh, that word rest, it means to cease from labor so that you will be refreshed. Jesus says, you come to me, you follow me. He says, I will give you rest. Guys, as we, as we live this life, God wants you to put him first in life so that he can give you rest. This life grinds us down. This life makes us tired. And Jesus said, Hey, listen, as you get ground down, if you come to me, he says, I can refresh your life. But what so many of us choose to do, and I'm including myself here, is there's a lot of times when I decide, you know what, I'm not going to follow the road God wants me to be on. I'm going to go off-road. Any of y'all ever done any off-road driving? I mean, it can be fun for a while. But I tell you something, it makes your car dirty. Uh, our son has a black Jeep. He took it off-road. It came home, I, I promise you, when I saw it in the driveway, I did not know it was his car. I thought it was a yellow car. Because from a distance it looked at then I got closer and it was just dried clay. You know, just all over the car. Off-roading can be, can be damaging to you. It can, it can be fun for a while, but it can beat you up. When we go off-road in our relationship with Christ, it can be fun for a while. But let me tell you something, it will beat you up. It will tear you up. Now when it comes to your priorities, some questions to ask. What are my priorities? And we need to examine that. Yeah, what, really, what, what's important to me? Another question is, how will God judge my priorities? And this is the last question to ask about your priorities, and that's what this, this important one. What, what is the solution to misplaced priorities? You know, if, you're, if your priorities are out of whack, the question is, well, then what's the solution to my priorities when they're out of whack? Uh, verses 12 through 15, final verses I'll read. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. He said, I'm with you. It's the Lord's declaration. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they began work on the house of Yahweh, of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Now, there, there, can, there can probably be some of us today who say, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I look at my priorities, they're a little bit out of whack. 
You know, they're not exactly where they're supposed to be. Now, if that's the case for you, you might say, well, is there anything I can do about that? Or is it like, you know, it's too late. I've just, I've already messed up too bad that nothing can be done. Well, the good news is that when we look in our verses, it doesn't matter where you are, when you realign your priorities and you say, God, I, I, this is where I am right now, but I'm going to readjust my priorities, you know what God does? He blesses. 